everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. He is a best-selling author, global evangelist, broadcast veteran, and ordained minister with over 50 years of world travel, intense biblical research, and the books that would follow because of it, including Holding Nothing Back, God Will Answer, Firestorm, and his groundbreaking The Assyrian Prophecy, a stunning, eye-opening read testimony was privileged to cover. But that's not all. This seeker of biblical and revelatory truth in cinematic and epic style shares the untold story of the greatest story ever told and the lives and miracles that would follow which all of hell raged and all of heaven rejoiced. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome back to Testimony, a high honor indeed, founder and president of Susek Evangelistic Association and Faith Walk Ministries International and author of his award-winning second edition must-read, Silent Night, Holy War, the epic story of Jesus's birth as never before told, Dr. Ronald Susek. Dr. Susek, Ron, if I may, welcome back to Testimony. Jen Seen, it is more than wonderful to be with you again. I'll never forget the first interview in Nashville that I had with you. And uh, the time we had to share a bit afterward, that was just a delightful experience. And I've got to tell you, you are God's gift to the world. So we thank God for you. Well, I am humbled by your comments, Dr. Susick. The honor is definitely all mine. And first of all, I have to say, I so enjoyed reading your latest Silent Night, Holy War. It is a gripping page-turner, my view, from start to finish that brings the reader in. A fireplace burning cup of hot chocolate and you're there. And I quote, just a sampling from your latest, quote, Satan mused to his wicked throng, it will be easy to kill God while reduced to infancy. Easy. There is no way for him to overcome us now. God had the power to defeat us in the past, but this is our night of victory. He threw us out of heaven, but tonight we will throw him off this planet, end quote. And this, just for starters, Dr. Susick, how did you come to write Silent Night, Holy War, and what makes your rendition of the miracle birth of Jesus different from all the others? Well, let me start with the latter part. I think that the difference is that um, what you were reading uh, grew out of Revelation chapter 12. We've always viewed the Christmas story, and we've written our Christmas pageants and plays around uh, the gospel rendition. And uh, that's a very brief sketch. And then when we get into Revelation chapter 12, it just so happened that one night I was reading that text, and I'd been over it many times, and because of the vast symbolism of the book of Revelation, it's easy to miss the reality at times. 
And all of a sudden, it flashed on my mind, I am reading the Christmas story. (laughs) This is actually what took place, that Jesus took John back uh, many, many years uh, in the spirit realm to show him what took place on the night of his birth. And I was so awestruck, and I thought, my word, the world has got to see this. They've got to understand this. This is incredible because it it, it balances Christmas. Uh, I think that Christmas as we have known it in our pageants has been so sugary that it becomes unreal. And I think many times people would go to our Christmas programs and walk away unmoved. They, they would enjoy it, but unmoved to a radical conversion because it was somewhat artificial to think that Mary travels 80 miles on a donkey while she's about to give birth and shows up at an inn smiling and in a good mood. Uh, I, I think that there was a, a sugary unrealism, and it, it, it always tended to trouble me, but I didn't have an answer to it until I came into Revelation. 12 and realized, no, this was an incredible, probably maybe one of the greatest spiritual wars in the heavenly realms of all time, because if you cannot stop Jesus in the cradle, you're not going to stop him in his life. You're not going to stop him on the cross or in his resurrection. So I do think that Revelation, Jesus was showing us the horrific scene that took place uh, over Bethlehem that night and the amazing victory that God granted to this infant son of his, who is now born on earth, the authority, perhaps in the first cry, to absolutely deflate and deflect the powers of darkness. Amen and amen, beautifully said. Dr. Susick, in reading about the lives of Mary and Joseph, you make so vividly real. It's easy to see how they, the shepherds, the magi, any one of the characters could be any one of us. Your thoughts. Oh, you're so right. And that is what I try to bring into this book. These were not people who were living in some kind of a spiritual bubble removed from the human race. They were just real people. When you look at the scene of Gabriel approaching Mary and uh, uh, how overwhelmed she was, and when, when you read throughout the Bible of uh, people that, that we admire, like Daniel and others who encountered angels, uh, they fall on their face. I mean, this is an overwhelming thing when you step out of what we call the natural and suddenly the curtain is opened and you're seeing into the supernatural and uh, you're confronted by that. And so these, but these were regular people. The beautiful thing about God is that he doesn't choose the great, the exalted, the magnificent, the talented. He, he takes the thing that is nothing to bring to nothing the thing that is, the weak to bring down the mighty, that which is considered foolish to bring down the so-called wise. And he does this because he uses us to glorify himself. And uh, he chose he chose a couple in Mary and Joseph that were so poor they had to offer a bird uh, 
in in the temple on the eight days after the birth of Jesus, not a lamb. They probably couldn't afford it. So Jesus went to a, the home of a carpenter. He he took regular everyday people, just as he does to this day, and he does the impossible and the wonderful things through them. And that does not exalt the people at all. That exalts our God. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Dr. Ronald Susek, author of his latest must-read, Silent Night, Holy War. Dr. Susek, the Word tells us that we, quote, wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in high places. That said, how will reading Silent Night, Holy War help the listener bring awareness in their own life of unseen evil targeted against them, and especially now when all the world seems to be under assault? Great question. Spiritual warfare began the moment Adam sank his teeth into the fruit of rebellion. And it has continued every day to this day and will until Satan is chained and thrown into the pit. We're in a spiritual war, and I think the so-called Age of Enlightenment took the eyes of the church off of that reality and turned us to intellectualism. I admire intellects. I, I admire scholars. I'm in favor of all of that. However, the moment we think we can beat the devil by our intelligence and our cleverness, we've lost right out of the gate. It is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, thus says the Lord. And the spiritual war has been coming down through the Old Testament era. It took place on the night of Jesus' birth again. It has stretched down through the church age. It's going on in this hour. And I'm hoping that readers of this book will identify quickly in seeing what's happening with Mary, Joseph, and the other characters in these scenes, uh, which I call faction, meaning I've taken the facts of the birth of Jesus as we see them in the Bible and fleshed them out in human reality so the people can understand, yeah, this is how they must have fought and felt, and I would have felt that way. I would have. I, I can. I can relate to that. And um, to realize they were going through a spiritual war. They won that war, as we can win the war. Uh, we have to recognize that even though the world is flying apart at the seams right now, it really is. We appear to be tripping over the doorstep of the end time hour, and we are seeing these tremendous things unfold. Fear not, Jesus said. I'm telling you that they're going to come, and they must come, but the gates of hell itself are broken. I broke them on the cross. They cannot prevail against the church. So I hope that in reading this book that many Christians will come away greatly emboldened in their confidence and in their resistance of the powers of darkness. Amen and amen. Now, I would be remiss if I did not ask you, Dr. Susek, to briefly share how you came to faith in Jesus Christ and the impact of that decision bringing you where you are today. Well, Jensine, I, I don't often tell this story, but I was an extreme rebel. I mean, I was a rebel. 
And I didn't want to go to hell, but I was not anxious to get to heaven. I just wanted to enjoy this world. And I got involved in a very bad crowd. My, I was born in, in New Kensington, Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh. And it's, it, it was known in that day as Little Chicago because uh, Kelly Manorino, a, 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 a figure in the underworld, um, lived there. And when he died, we had everyone from Frank Sinatra to you name it in big black Cadillacs in our little tiny town. It was a mm-hmm. dangerous town. And uh, I loved the, the, the sin uh, of that, that atmosphere and ran with a very rough crowd. And But I had a problem on my hands. I had a mother who prayed earnestly and a dad who prayed and a dad who was a deacon, a mother who was a Sunday school teacher, <laughs> and they were not going to let me off the hook. And they literally forced me into a car and said, you're going to go with us. And they took me to a Youth for Christ convention uh, in Ocean City, New Jersey. And it was not the speaker that got to me because I learned how to deflect that sitting in my little Baptist church. Uh, but it was when I was standing out on the boardwalk wearing a black leather jacket in June, sweating, almost dehydrated, but I wanted them to know bad stuff is here. Don't mess with me. Out of that uh, boardwalk uh, building came 1,100 young people with clean eyes and smiles. And I, and I knew the, uh, forgive the crudity, the crap I was running with. back, And the contrast was night and day. And that's what God used to speak to my heart and invite me to himself. And that night, I couldn't take it anymore. I got out of bed in the, at midnight, went down to the boardwalk, literally, as I was staring into the ocean, thinking about it through my switchblade in the ocean, I said, God, if you can do anything with me, here I am. And I didn't see anything, but I will tell you that something happened in my spirit that Jesus called being born again. And uh, that that was so transforming. My parents were afraid going home that it was not going to last. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they had lived in a nightmare. And uh, but uh, when they realized this was real, uh, I was spending my summers working for my dad. He had a landscape business and I would come home and read the Bible, devour the Bible three, four five hours every evening. I just couldn't get enough. And um then went on to Bible college and uh, entered the ministry. So that that's how it happened, and um, uh, it's a true story. In fact, one of the reasons why I'm in the ministry today was because of um, an editor in the Pittsburgh Press did a story on me called Teenager Detours Crime. And uh, I began to get all these invitations to go and speak, and I was so scared I couldn't even think straight because I was not born a public personality. <laughs> but that, that is uh, some of the ways that uh, the Lord orchestrated my eventually going to, into the ministry. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Dr. Ron Susek. His latest must-read, Silent Night, Holy War. Dr. Ron, I loved how Simeon and Anna intercessors that longed for the face of their Messiah, after seeing Jesus, knew their mission had been fulfilled, and the purpose that should give all of us as followers of Christ. Can you speak to that? Oh, that's a beautiful question. Uh, That dear couple were in the temple for years in intercessory prayer. And uh, what a beautiful scene that... Uh, when Jesus was eight days old, this, he was brought to the temple, and Simeon takes him in his arms and blesses him to God, knows who he is, and like a great knight, 
goes home to hang up his sword and die. His mission is complete. <laughs> and Anna the same, who gave all of her widowed years to God in intercessory prayer in the temple and to hold him in her arms. And we have to recognize what we're about as the Church of Jesus Christ worldwide. We are to be the intercessors as well as the preachers of the gospel. We must first be the intercessors because it is only by prayer that we get the work done by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is our work as we work and strive and look for the day when we are in Jerusalem holding Jesus in our arms or him holding us in his arms. What an incredible scene that will be. Our work is to be focused on on praying the coming of the Lord and the peace of Jerusalem, which then re, uh, deflects throughout the whole world. So what a glorious scene that is with that dear couple and how that is what we're anticipating as we pray for the coming of Christ. So beautifully said. Ladies and gentlemen, again, Dr. Ronald Susek, ordained minister, broadcast veteran, global evangelist, and author of his latest, Silent Night, Holy War. Dr. Susek, Mary and Joseph were no strangers to rejection, disdain, and disbelief. They were used by God to deliver the greatest miracle of all and were hated for it. Talk about the grace God gave to help them cope and get through, and then how that same grace is available to all of us. It's hard to imagine what Mary had to go through, the same as it's hard to imagine what Eve had to go through. Uh, After the fall of mankind, Adam and Eve lived over 900 years watching generation after generation degenerate more and more before their eyes. Mary and Joseph bring the Savior into the world uh, that Judaism had been, had been preparing for, in a sense, with a sacrificial system and all the uh, things in the temple that were used as uh, symbols of the coming of a Savior. But when he came, they did not recognize him. And Mary and Joseph had to live out a life, certainly in Nazareth, with people still thinking through their lifetime. No, <laughs> something very fishy went on. We, we, we know better than this. And so they had to live under that cloud, probably for a lifetime. And then Mary, we see her at the end of Jesus' life, standing at the cross. How crushing, how humbling that was. And yet, She stood firm in her faith at the cross, watching her son being crucified for the sins of the world. Jesus was very clear. He said over and over again, don't expect that if you follow me, you're going to have health and wealth and bliss and the rest of your life. You're you're not on a merry-go-round ride to heaven. They're going to hate you. They'll despise you. They're going to kill some of you. And this has gone on now for 2,000 years. So if you are looking for fame and fortune, don't enter ministry, don't enter the Christian life, Uh, you're going to be very disappointed unless you become a false prophet and try to twist it to your gain, and then you're going to really lose. We are in a war, and the only hero is Jesus Christ, and he gives us victory after victory, and we praise his name for that. The church is only enduring and moving on because of the power of heaven behind us, and we need to lay hold of that and stand firm in that until the trumpet sounds. 
Amen and amen. You know, I was struck with the fact that Mary and Joseph had to go back to, quote, normality after birthing the Son of God, the King of Kings, and just how they did that and how that can apply to us today in the middle of a pandemic, a volatile presidential election. uh, There is no seemingly normal. Now, what is your advice to that one listening right now that just is at their wits end? They have no hope. They don't see a future. They're not happy uh, with the current results. Can you speak to that? I can only tell them what I'm doing. And if they want to duplicate it, I would encourage that. I've turned my car into my prayer closet. I go out and drive to pray because I want to be alone. Prayer is not a thing for show. And it's between you and God. And I've learned more than ever to to begin by worshiping God. I mean, really take the time to let the Spirit of God quiet your heart, quiet your mind, until you're seeing the magnitude of God. And, and you're joining like the elders on high who were worshiping God in Revelation chapter 4, where you are so taken by God's greatness and His completeness and that He's got this under control. This is not driving heaven nuts. He's got this under control. He's going to orchestrate this world until every knee is bowed before his son, confessing who his son is. It's going to happen. But we've got to keep our view of God, and that comes through worship. And then out of worship, God will prompt people in how they should be praying, because now we can pray in the will of God as the Spirit is leading us in praying about God's concerns. Then we become valuable because we become those people who are praying the will of God that's already established in heaven to come to pass on earth. And there's no question in my mind that even in these darkening days, there are great breakthroughs coming. In fact, in the darkest of days, there will be the greatest evangelistic thrust with millions and millions and millions of people. It's in the book of Revelation, coming to faith, having their robes dipped in the blood of the Lamb. And there's worship all through the book of Revelation. So uh, people may be able to keep you out of a public place, and you got to wear a mask, and you got to isolate, but they cannot keep up from the throne room of God, and there and there and there is where we find our wholeness. Amen and amen. Beautifully said Dr. Ronald R. Susek, his latest must-read, Silent Night, Holy War. Last question for our brief time here today. For that one listening that desires the free gift of salvation, the power of the Holy Spirit, forgiveness, and God's redeeming grace to overcome every evil and press on to every victory. Dr. Susek, sir, would you lead that one in prayer today? I would be thrilled to give a prayer, and if you're that person driving a car in a motel room, in a home, feeling lonely, follow this prayer. I'll say it carefully, and just pray it in your heart or even out loud to God. Dear God, on the basis that Jesus died for me, I'm asking your forgiveness for all my sins. I'm asking you for the power to live committed to you, obedient to your will, from now until I meet you in heaven. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to internationally renowned evangelist, Bible teacher, a best-selling author and founder of Susec Evangelistic Association and Faith Walk Ministries International. His latest must-read, Silent Night, Holy War, the epic story of Jesus' birth as never before told. You can learn more about Dr. Susek's work, ministry, and mission by visiting cministries.org. That's spelled S-E-A ministries.org. And get his book, Get Encouraged, and then get ready to be blessed with a deeper understanding of the miracle birth of Christ and the war he overcame to give us all eternal life. Dr. Susick, we thank you. God bless you, and a very Merry Christmas. Well, a special thank you to you, Jensine, and a Merry Christmas to you, and a Merry Christmas to everyone listening. God bless all of you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, a song that speaks to this glorious season from sacred recording artist and wife of our honored guest, Diane King Susek, from her Candlelight Carols collection. How do you capture the wind on the water? How do you count all the stars in the sky? How can you measure the love of a mother? Or how can you write down a baby's first cry? Candlelight, angel light, firelight and star glow, shining Find him in Bethlehem. 
Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensenbard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.